Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio. I just wanted to thank Keith Young for that wonderful prayer testimony. Thank you for, for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable. I wanted to tell you that as you were stepping down, Scott leaned over to me and he said, I think Keach covered it. You can take the day off today. <laughs> but you're not that lucky. I'm still going to preach. So if you would, please turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 19 and 21. Our reading is very short, but we're going to be looking at a larger context this, this week. So I encourage you to have your pew Bible open to Luke chapter 8. And hear now the word of the Lord as, as I read from the Gospel of Luke. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amidst the changing words of our generation, speak to us your eternal word that does not change. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy, holy and acceptable to you, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. The concept of family has been on my mind a lot this week because as of this past Thursday, Morgan and I are empty nesters. In the last year, we have had one graduate from college and one start in college. Our eldest just got a job, which will begin tomorrow, and we are so proud of her, but that meant that she had to move away to begin work. In the meantime, our son is away at college, leaving me and Morgan and our dog Jenny and a grand cat named Toby. Now, Toby is Elle's cat and has been living with us since June. And now that she is gone, it's weird for all of us but especially for Jenny, our dog, and for Toby, the cat. And I'll admit, it hasn't always been easy. Whenever L is not around, he starts to get nervous. And you know what? He also gets a little bit scratchy. Well, the other day, we had the door open and the cat got outside and he was headed out towards the road. And Morgan was able to get out there quickly enough and grab him and pick him up and bring him back safely inside. But you know what? She was only able to get him back inside after she got several big scratches on the back of her hand. And in frustration, Morgan showed me the back of her hand covered in scratches and said, would you look at this? Can you believe this? Our dog was sitting over here in the corner thinking, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Maybe the cat's gone. <laughs> But much to her disappointment, the outsider is still there. He's still the newcomer, and now he is part of our family. Well, the passage that we've read today raises an old, old question. What is family? Jesus was preaching and teaching, 
And Mary, his mother, and his brothers all showed up, but they couldn't get to him because of this great crowd, this huge crowd. Apparently, the family needed to get his attention for something. I mean, maybe he was the only one who remembered the Wi-Fi password or something like that. But so, at that point, someone helpful interrupted Jesus and said to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Now, that's not so unusual. Morgan and my children and my family have always had the right to interrupt me, especially in an emergency, even if I'm in a meeting. For generations, family was and still is a central priority of everyday life. The Romans and the Jews didn't have a lot in common, but both of these cultured the the centrality of family. And so Jesus stood up and he said, I'm sorry, everyone, I have to go. My family's, my family's here. We'll pick it up later. If he'd done that, people would have understood. But that's not what he did, is it? Instead, he said something that shocked everyone there, not only Mary and the brothers, but his hearers as well. He said this, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. My brother and my mother, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And with this statement, Jesus gets right to the heart of this question. What is family? On the one hand is the family of origin, the family into which he was born, the family that included his belated father, his adopted father, Joseph, and his Mary and his mother, Mary, and his brothers. You know, the people who played with him, who fought with him, who taught him, who ate with him, who encouraged him, who occasionally suffocated him and corrected him, all that good stuff that comes with being part of a family. On the other hand, was his family of faith. Now, these may or may not be blood relatives, but they are simply designated as those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, what's sad is that this story, this moment is often interpreted as a moment of rejection, a moment when Jesus separates himself and turns his back on his family of origin, a point when he declares his independence from them and relegates their importance to his past because at this point, he's got a new ministry. He's got a new mission. He's got a new family. That's how we tend to read this story nowadays. But I think we get it wrong if we interpret it that way. But I think it's understandable because for decades, our our culture has bought into a culture, a mindset of self-centered hyper-individualism. It's a mindset that puts individual achievement and self-determination and satisfaction above relationship, above family. And I think that if we really read this story as a rejection of Jesus's old family in favor of his new family, then we are imposing a very modern idea on this situation, an anachronism that really doesn't fit the story, but rather exposes our modern biases and our psychology and cultural developmental expectations. Because here's the truth. I don't really think that this story is about Jesus rejecting family. Rather, I think this story is about Jesus broadening family. 
The family of God is no longer defined simply by name and address or biology or tribe. Instead, uh, Jesus says that God's family is defined by faith. And God is broadening his family by spreading his word. How do I come to that conclusion? Well, again, I want you to look at the context of Luke chapter 8. Look at the context of this passage. Just before this story, in Luke 8, 4 through 15, Jesus was interrupted while he was teaching. But what was he teaching about? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of the Gospels that include this story, they say that he was interrupted immediately after or immediately before he taught the parable of the sower. You remember the parable of the sower? A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and were trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell, oh wait, hold on, look at this. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now what is that parable really about? I think it's sad because often we read that parable, we read the parable of the sower as a warning about who will not trust Jesus with their lives, about who will not get into the kingdom. But beloved, that's so skeptical. That is so pessimistic because it buries the lead. It buries the headline, which is what? The first verse. A sower went out to sow his seed. And if we read the whole parable and the whole story the whole way through, then we we will see that in the end, God is sowing a harvest that will produce a hundredfold. So this story is about the sower spreading the seed, even in the hard places. We see from the parable that the sower doesn't just plant on safe and familiar soil. He is spreading his truth and he is spreading his grace and his love broadly. So now, If we read this story through the lens of this parable, then we'll see that this passage is not about Jesus leaving his family or separation from his family, but about broadening his family and his relationships by spreading his word. Why do we always read into this story that he told his family to leave, that he rejected them, that he told them to get out of here, keep them out? That's not in the story. Jesus is broadening his family. Now, yes, we see from the parable that some of the seed will fall into hard, rocky, exposed, thorny, weedy, and dry places. But we also see that much of it will fall into good soil. And whoever hears the word of God and does it 
is a part of the family of Christ. As he has so many times in the past, Jesus is setting the stage for people to understand that God is broadening his family. He is broadening the family of God, bringing those on the outside inside. I mean, just think for a moment about those people who were sitting at the feet of Jesus, not just his disciples. He was surrounded by outcasts of every time. If you read back through the chapters of Luke, you'll see that by this time, the people in his crowd, the people following him included people who had been possessed by demons. He was being followed around by former prostitutes, by at least one former leper. And maybe, after the healing of a centurion servant, maybe even some Gentile Romans. Now, can you imagine being one of those people? And here, in his presence, with his mother and his brothers banging on the door, trying to get his attention, trying to come through the crowd, in front of God and everybody, the teacher refers to you the people he's talking to, not as rejects, but as his family. You are important. Not saying that they're not important, but you are important too. I think it's significant that we're talking about this on a baptism Sunday. Even though we don't have a baptism in this service, at the 11 o'clock service, Lisa Duke will be baptized um, and be a part, become a covenant member, covenant partner of our church family. And that's important because we need to remember that Luke says that when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River and he came up out of the water, Scripture says that the, that the heavens were open to him and God said to Jesus, you are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. You are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. Jesus of Nazareth was Jesus the Christ. He was the son of God and son of man. And at his baptism, God publicly and proudly claimed Jesus as his own beloved child. All of a sudden, God pulled back the curtain between heaven and earth, and Jesus could see the shining face of his father. And God said, this is my son. Here's my boy. I'm so proud of him. He is special like no other. He's going to do glorious and powerful things. He's even going to save the world. This is my beloved son, and with him I am well pleased. So what does that have to do with this story about the family? Well, listen to what the, the apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. You brought this up, Keach. Paul writes this. He says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent the son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those under the law so that we might redeem, receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, Daddy. 
father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then also an heir through God. And so here's the point. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through faith in Jesus Christ, in him, in who he is, and what he has done for us, God not only forgives our sins, he makes us members of his own family. So, beloved, I am here to proclaim to you today that whether you were baptized as a child or as a youth or as an adult, when you were baptized, God claimed you as a member of his family. He claimed everyone who is in Jesus Christ as his own child. So by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then also an heir through God. So that means that we are not just broken penitents kneeling before a judge but rather you are a beloved child embraced by our Father. We are adopted by God. He has claimed us as his own children. We are made heirs and real daughters and sons of God. And Revelation 7, 9 declares that after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. People of every nation and tribe and tongue Forgiven sinners of every category and record. Restored victims of every fear and sickness and injury and lie. Those are the people sitting at God's table. God broadened his family to include you and me. And now... The Lord is calling us to sow his seed, to sow his truth, and to show his love to the people who are still on the outside so that they will become insiders of God's own family. Now that's good news for the people outside. They will be brought in. But what about my family? What about my family of origin? What if the people that I love the most, the people to whom I am closest, are not people who hear the word of God and do it? Let me ask you this, just really candidly. Does anyone in here have someone in their family who's not walking with the Lord and it's breaking your heart? I mean, think about it. Am I supposed to turn... My back, are we supposed to turn our backs on them because they don't believe like we do? Of course not. It's not what Jesus did. Let's go back to the parable again. Does this sound like anyone you know? Their hearts are rocky and hard because they've lived a rocky or hard life. 
Maybe they're shallow or superficial soil, easily distracted by the idols of achievement and wealth and fame or the temptations of the world. Maybe they're exposed soil and they've been picked clean by predators, their joy snatched away by bad relationships and bad choices. They're lost and afraid and pain and vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. You know, every type of person Jesus encountered in public can be found in someone's family. Pagans, atheists, libertines, holier-than-thou types, tax collectors, sick, broken, demon-harassed, lost, lonely, hurt. Maybe you've got one of those in your family. But you know what? Our job is not to judge the soil. Our job is to sow the seed. Let me say that again, because I'm not sure everybody heard that. Our job is not to judge the soil. Our job is to sow the seed. And who knows what God will do with it? Because he says that, that, that they will hold it fast. Some will hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience and grow and yield a hundredfold. Here's the question. Do we trust God to find the good soil? Do we trust him to do the one thing we can't do, to change the soil of the heart to receive his word? I do not believe that this story is about moving away from your family of origin. I think it is about the new relationships created through kinship with Christ. Rather than moving away from your family of origin, this is a call to move toward them with the gospel. Think about your family, that family person you were just thinking about a moment ago. How would you approach that person if he were a stranger? How would you approach that person if she were your neighbor rather than a member of your, your biological or family of origin? If you are struggling with your own family of origin, don't turn your back on them or reject them. Think of them as your family mission field. And what do you do to an empty and barren field? You sow seed. Keep sowing the word of God and showing them the love of God and trust him to give the growth. Because when it comes to the family of God, we've all been adopted. Jesus is God's only singular natural-born son. Everybody else is adopted. And Jesus knows who his brothers and his mother are. He knows who his family of origin is. But he wants us to know that the brothers and sisters of faith are now also his brothers and mother and sisters. Jesus is not talking about erasing or replacing relationships or saying that everyone is the same. He is saying that through the love of God and love for one another, God's family is growing. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is not only inviting people to be forgiven of their sins, but to sit at his table as part of his family. So, that, so to the people sitting around him, you're not just a former prostitute. You're not just a former de demoniac. You're not just a former leper. You're not just a Gentile foreigner. You're not just a forgiven sinner. You are a brother of Jesus and a child of God. 
My family of origin will always be my family of origin. But my faith family is expanding. What a blessing when friends become family of faith. What a blessing that Jesus' brothers eventually came to be believers. James and possibly even Jude contributing to the New Testament, blessing generations to come. You know, there's an old saying that blood is thicker than water. That expression is actually a misrepresentation of an old Puritan proverb. The Puritans did not say that blood is thicker than water. The original expression is that the blood of the cross is thicker than the water of the womb. In other words, the ties that bind our hearts together in Christian love are actually stronger and more enduring than our earthly kinships alone. Because Jesus Christ and our kinship through him is eternal. I'll tell you what, it's been hard living with that cat. But when I see the scratches on the back of Morgan's hands, I remember that they are marks of love. Not the cat's love for her. (laughs) But her love for the cat. And I think about how many scratches our Heavenly Father has on the back of his hands. Each one a reminder that in spite of our fear and struggles against him, he still holds on to us. The hands that we scratch are the same hands that hold us in love. And I think about the wounds in the hands of Christ. Those wounds that not only took away our sins but hold us in the family of God as his beloved brothers and sisters. By his wounds, we are healed and we become his family. So how is God the Father challenging us, challenging you and me to broaden our families and his family? Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, sometimes our vision of your family is so narrow. But we know that through faith in Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice for our sins, through following you through repentance, you have broadened your family beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. A hundredfold beyond our wildest dreams. So Lord, help us not only to appreciate our own adoption, but to appreciate how you continue to adopt your children and how you bring home your lost so that we may all gather around your table. In Jesus' name, amen.